0: I think it was even just shocking, just on its face, at the very beginning to see reporters at any level, from local to national, in a quad box for team coverage, and everyone's wearing masks. And you're like, wow, this is insane. Where where are these reporters where they need masks? And the answer is in our communities, across the country, everywhere in the United States and around the world.
1: COVID-19 has not only changed the world, it's changed the way journalists are doing their jobs. What did we learn from covering COVID? And what lessons will we take with us when COVID is finally gone? I'm Michael O'Connell. This is It's All Journalism. Marcus Arun is an award winning producer at MSNBC and executive producer of Essential Journalists, a new documentary about the seismic shift in the journalism industry, something we've been talking about for a long time on this podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Marcus.
0: Thank you very much. Glad to be here and very excited.
1: Very excited. Well, I'm glad that you're here as well. I had a chance to watch the documentary. I really enjoyed it because it kind of addresses, you know, what journalists have been dealing with the last few months. Journalists, typically, our focus is on whatever our story is. We're really kind of not supposed to be talking about ourselves, but I think it's kind of important for us to get out there what we're sort of experiencing and how, you know, COVID has affected our jobs as well. So... But anywho, before we get to that, why don't you tell me a little bit about your journalist journey? How did you end up at MSNBC?
0: I love news. It's been something I've been passionate about since I was a child. I've been certain that getting into news in this industry is what I wanted to do. It's a long story, but I do love kind of how I got into it. In middle school, was uh, my school asked me to create a video about our school because they knew that I was someone who was into video. When they gave it to the local public access station, in the end, the public access station asked me, you're 14 years old, how are you able to put together an hour and a half documentary on your own? What is this? And I just told them, it's, I tried it, I did it, I did it on my own, I used the cameras I had myself, and it's what I want to do, so I just did it. And they said, well, do you want to have a show? So 14-year-old me is saying I'm in middle school. <laughs> They're offering me a TV show. I'm going to say yes. And news is what I'm passionate about. So they said I could kind of have free reign. And I said news is what I want to get into. So I started a news show when I was in middle school. As I reached out to local news stations for internships, they said, we don't offer children internships. You can come back when you're in college. And so I decided to do it on my own. And after I launched it on public access. Once YouTube came about, I ended up started posting online, and students from across the country kind of joined me in this venture because they went to schools that didn't have journalism programs, but they knew they wanted to get into it. So we ended up having dozens of students from around the country working together from our home, doing live broadcasts from coast to coast, kind of a next generation of reporters reporting to the next generation of viewers, and it was a ton of fun. We did it for six years, and that was my start and how I got into news, and I've been loving it ever since.
1: That's a pretty incredible story. I mean, I've listened to many, you know, high school journalism nerd stories, and there are many. Each of us has, has one, and yours is pretty up there as far as unique, but it's also kind of admirable that you recognized something that you wanted to do. You you had a certain skill set to start with. Obviously, you know how to do video, and you know you were able to. When people weren't going to let you to do it, you decided you were going to do it yourself. That's pretty great. So, how did you end up at MSNBC? So during
0: college, I ended up, at once I finished 24 News, that was the production that I built at home, the independent news organization. I ended up interning at as many news stations as I could because it was finally the time when I could get into the newsroom, what I was hoping for all along. And I interned at seven different newsrooms, including NBC, but I also interned at the Fox station in Connecticut. That station, once I graduated, ended up giving me a producing job. And I spent five years in local news, working my way up at that station, Fox 61, my hometown station, where I learned a lot. And I went from producer to senior producer to executive producer. And that's when I got the call from MSNBC about a year and a half ago, where I have been working there ever since. We've been working on a ton of, you know how crazy the news has been in the last year. We had Election coverage starting up with the primaries, it led into an impeachment trial, it led into the coronavirus, it led into uprising related to racial issues, and then this continuing coronavirus coverage amid the presidential election, and it has been an amazing time to be at the network level producing news, which has been what I was looking for when I started those years ago in middle school.
1: Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year. This is going to be a tough act to follow. Uh, I mean, Of course. Yeah, there's just so much, you know, there's so much to do. I mean, I've said this to people, you know, that this is the time to be a journalist. There's just so many things to cover and so many important things to cover and such need for good coverage. So anyway, let's talk a little bit about this documentary that you created. In writing this down, I realized, what's the full title? It's Essential Journalists?
0: How coronavirus changed TV news.
1: Okay. So I guess, because that's in the title, it changed TV news. How do you think it changed TV news?
0: It changed, and it changed immediately when the pandemic happened. It was amazing to see journalists from around the country, those that I watch on TV here, those that I work with, and then those that I watch online across the country make changes, and they did it in an instant. There wasn't time for the bosses or the executive producers or the general managers to kind of make decisions of, well, this is the way that you should do things. This is the rule book, or this is the way that you report in the middle of a pandemic. Journalists on their own just made decisions and they said, well, they're telling me I still have to go out in the field. Most people get to work at home. I know that my family is at risk. I have whatever the case in everyone's family is with elderly parents or with children at home, I need to go out. How do we do this? Do we get 10 masks when they're hard to come by at the beginning and rotate them? Do we use a broomstick that we have at home and make it into a six foot boom pole because our local station isn't equipped with equipment like that? Do we wear PPE when we're on TV? I think it was even just shocking just on its face at the very beginning to see reporters at any level from local to national in a quad box for team coverage and everyone's wearing masks and you're like wow this is insane where are these reporters where they need masks and the answer is in our communities across the country everywhere in the united states and around the world it's just shocking to see but then to think what went into the thought process where they knew viewers would feel something when they see these reporters for the first time with masks on it's not what we normally do And the decision was made that health had to come first. The health of the journalists, the health of the photographers, the health of the producers and those in the newsroom or those who are working from home. And people got to work from home for the first time in journalism in many cases. And it has been astounding to see the innovation from journalists across the country.
1: It's pretty amazing and heartening in many ways about our industry, I think, to show how scrappy we can be when when we need to be you know television news i don't mean this is a criticism or anything just as an observation television news can be pretty slick i mean there's a lot of thought that goes into presentation and and you know production and everything has to be kind of rethought in a moment and sometimes it looks you know really kind of simple and not very complex and you know the fact that your favorite tv host is in his or her basement or home studio broadcasting or one of the people in your video was talking <laughs> your documentary was talking about conducting interviews through a window for the last few months. What inspired you that that this was a story that, that you wanted to tell?
0: A few different things. One of them is that I could tell this was going to be history. And as journalists, we are a part of writing the first rough draft of history. And I thought that not only are we with our constant reports of the numbers, the constant reports from the hospitals and constant reports from in the field showing what people are going through and the changes in our schools and our grocery stores. Those are all a part of what will be history as we look back and we could never, hopefully, we go back to a normal where we think of this as crazy what we're going through now. That's our current normal. If that's a part of history, the way that journalism changed and the way that individual journalists made changes to continue doing their jobs. I saw that as history as well, and it was a story that was not being told. So starting in March, I began this journey to working on this documentary where I started doing Zoom interviews from home with journalists, just local reporters from different states, from different backgrounds and different size stations and different market sizes to see what they're going through. And I started gathering it to leave this as a document to look back on at what did journalists do in 2020. There's a lot of impacts, but they made a lot of changes that in our, back in the day when we were in journalism school, they did not teach us about this or what to do. So now they can look at, wow, we did in some cases in the last few months the opposite of what we learned in journalism school to get the job done. You're literally using worse quality than a lot of our college newscasts where you see the local anchor is and their kitchen and they're on zoom to literally anchor the news without a prompter and you're like wow they they're really figuring it out and making this work and I wanted to document it
1: and you know it's funny that was one of the things I've been thinking about over the last few months as you see more and more people doing what you just said is you know using zoom, you know, thinking about, you know, I do a podcast, I listen to other podcasters, and you can hear the difference in the sound quality. And one of the things that, you know, coming from the podcasting realm is this idea that good enough, you know, that you want to create audio that's good enough, because people have a great deal of tolerance. You know, not everybody's producing broadcast quality audio, but they're producing audio that, you know, people want to listen to, because it's not so much the delivery system, it's more the the content, it's and so that's why i think when what we're talking right now about journalists working out of their home and, and the, the important thing is getting that content to people and i think as long as you're sort of transparent about how you're doing it about that you're wearing masks or that you've got like a like a stick that you're sticking 6 feet away so that you can, can interview somebody you know i think people sort of grasp that and have a greater I think respect for what you're doing and the quality of the product that you're, you're presenting. I think that it gets them to understand that you're part of this uh, pandemic that's going on.
0: There is a big sense that journalists are a part of the community. It should always be the case, not just that we're reporting on the community, but we are community members ourselves. When you see your local anchor, not in their big shiny studio with their, makeup on and with huge screens and the perfect lighting and everything, when you see your anchor sitting at their kitchen table while you're at your kitchen table with your kids and your whole family and you're staying home due to lockdown orders, and so is the anchor, it does give insight into the lives of the journalists that you may be accustomed to watching for years and years, but it also gives people a connection. I have to say on the point that you were just making, something that. Surprised me most was what level was good enough for TV stations. As you heard in my background, I made my own station when I was in middle school. So I, I built a studio in my basement at home, in my parents' home, and I was able to do that all on my own. <laughs> so I know that it's definitely possible for broadcasters, young and old, to be able to do that, especially when you have funding behind it from an actual TV station. And when I started asking the journalists, so I was watching your newscast and I see that you're using iPhone headphones and the headphone cord is like hanging down and you have one lamp and your lighting isn't that great. Are your bosses telling you that like, we need to improve the quality, we need to get back? And the overwhelming response from everyone I asked, which surprised me, was that viewers actually like it viewers like to be able to connect to the fact that their Zoom interviews for their jobs at home, they cut out sometimes. They're messed up. Their kids walk in. Their cats walk in. It's a whole situation. And the fact that everyone really feels like we're all in this together, because when you see the cat walk into the news anchor shot, it's funny. And it's something that goes on YouTube, but it starts happening more and more because that is the daily life for everyone. And i'm told that viewers actually appreciate the connection that they have that's even stronger than ever between the journalists they're watching on tv
1: yeah i'm not surprised about that at all having been a podcaster for for many years one of the things that people like about podcasting as opposed to like you know so hyper produced radio broadcasting is this sort of you know low key nature of it that it seems more accessible so it's going to be really interesting i mean where where do you think You know, when we get on the other end of this and we all get to go back into our newsrooms to broadcast and we all get to take our masks off and and walk up to people and start interviewing her. Do you think that there'll be much change or do you think is there is there something that some elements that we're going to be able to bring into the future, at least for maybe a short while?
0: There will be some elements that we take from what we learn reporting in the middle of the pandemic back into our normal everyday reporting. We will be going back to a lot of the norms, which is a good thing. The empty newsrooms, which are very sad right now, they will be filled again. The empty studios will be filled again. There's no worry about that. But the things that we learned that actually made it easier or even better, the workarounds that journalists found will end up becoming some of the norms that we use every day. It is unfortunate that to this day, No guests or contributors are allowed inside of Rockefeller Center, where NBC News headquarters is. So if you were to watch our panel, or you were to watch when we have guests on the show, they're all coming via Skype, every single one of them. We're now in November, and it's been like this for months. Rockefeller Center, New York City, too much of a tourist place, too many people all around. It is just not safe to have more people than we need inside the building, inside of the studio. So we're, we're doing all of these Zoom interviews, you're seeing Claire McCaskill, you're seeing names that you're used to seeing on a, a large desk with a lot of guests. They're now all at home and they're on Zoom and they're on Skype still. It doesn't look as great and it's not as great to have people in the room where you could read their body language and everything. But one benefit to it is you often can get interviews at a more quicker pace. And it has worked out well for including a lot of local stations. There are a lot of stations who would never, local stations that would never do Zoom interviews due to the quality before. They would always require either a crew to go to the governor's office, for example, or the governor to drive to the TV station so they could be in the studio. Now, if the governor puts out an order and he emails something in the the middle of the afternoon, often... They're likely to accept an invitation to join via webcam from their home, and you can get an exclusive interview or an interview that's just quickly done in the moment so you can get the news more quickly out to your viewers. So I believe that we will prefer to have the governor in the studio in the future. But when we're in a pinch and when some news breaks, I'm sure we're going to see a lot more Zoom and Skype interviews on TV than we used to before. And it's not a bad thing because you're getting the content and content is king.
1: Yeah, I agree. I yeah, you know, I've listened to several podcasts, interview podcasts, where they just remark about the fact that, oh yeah, well, you know, we never would have been able to get this interview before if we hadn't had this opportunity to talk to somebody via Zoom and giving people that freedom. You know, it, it really comes down to what is the what is the plus. Of having somebody come into the studio, so, you know, sometimes that's good. There's a reason to do it; it makes sense to do it. But a lot of times, if it's just a talking head, yeah, why not make it easier for your guest? Why to make it easier? I think that's a good thing. You know, I'm saying? you're sitting. We were talking about some of the workarounds. What were some of the most interesting workarounds that you, you encountered in your reporting for this documentary?
0: One of them, that's a quick one that was pretty cool, was a sports reporter. Um, using a hockey stick as the boom pole to put the microphone on. It was on brand for sports reporting, and it was a little bit funny. It makes light of the situation that a sports reporter is out in the field, um, and they're still doing their interviews just by uh, some amount of feet away using a hockey stick to hold up their microphone. One of the workarounds that you mentioned was an interview with an older man who could have uh, been higher potential for getting COVID. The reporter couldn't get a Skype interview, so she went to the house, but he stood inside. She was outside. So she was outside in the air where they say is safer. And she was interviewing him. And the story was about how some elderly are living alone and dealing with COVID while being isolated. So she was able to get the shots of the man doing his daily routine in his living room through the window of his house, or through the door of his house, and then got the interview through the window, where you could zoom in, you don't see the framing of the window or the door, but you, you kind of get the job done while staying even more than six feet of a distance, and that has been wonderful to see, journalists taking the safety seriously while getting the story still.
1: Yeah, and, and it's funny if you think about it, because it's not just, I mean, it's not like they're doing these types of Actions because they're covering COVID. COVID's going on and affecting how they're doing their job. There are the you know, demonstrations for for racial justice. There's the election. There are all these big stories that we've got to cover, and so we have to sort of fold these workarounds into our, our workflow so that so that we can actually do the things and cover the, the stories that are important. And at the same time, by being out there in public, you know showing these actions, wearing your mask, using a hockey stick, and doing that on air, you're also, in a strange way, covering COVID because you're demonstrating how people, you know, how mindful you have to be about your daily life and interacting with other people.
0: Absolutely. It's setting an example based on what the health guidelines are from the doctors and the experts telling us to wear masks, telling us to stay distant, telling us to stay home when you can and journalists are doing all of those and you can see it and watching your newscasts every day
1: yeah that's pretty cool and i want to encourage people who's listening to this podcast to check out your documentary you know how can people listen to it
0: easiest way to check it out essentialjournalists.com you can uh, take a look at streaming now and i hope that you tune in
1: yeah and it's not that long it's under 20 minutes so you know you can, you can take, a, take a lunch break between your stories and, and check it out. What's, what's the one big thing, your big takeaway from, from having done this documentary?
0: Big takeaway from doing this documentary was the ingenuity, the innovation from individual journalists and how hardworking everyone is to get the story and to get it out there. The fact that journalists are essential workers means that they're needed in the community to do what they're doing. How would you find out about washing your hands being so important? How would you find out about the places that you can't go and that you can go? How would you find out that school is canceled? It's all journalists, it's reporters doing the hard work, and they're out there doing it every day. They have done it for years but now they face some of the biggest challenges they ever have right now. All they, they're at home being impacted by the coronavirus in their workplace and they're still on the air every day telling stories and it's been pretty amazing and I've been proud to talk to as many as I have and been able to connect with so many now through the thousands who have watched it it's been fantastic so I've really really enjoyed this process.
1: I've been talking to uh, Marcus Haroon, who's a producer at MSNBC about his documentary, Essential Journalists. Check it out. It's definitely, uh, you know, it's a moment. It captures a moment in history. Journalism changed again. Marcus, thanks for coming on the podcast.
0: Thank you very much. This is wonderful. Thank you.
1: You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? You'll get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicole Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. Emil Brust helped with our booking, Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist, and I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Thanks for listening.